Hello and welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale whoa, podcast. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? What? That's how we start the show, isn't it? That's how I start the show. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do, Rob. <laughs> Man, I almost forgot to name the episode. What are we naming it? Raging Joe. What would Raging Joe be like to you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> tell me how you really feel. You don't agree? I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> okay. Did you read what I wrote for you? I wrote it. You didn't write it. I wrote it. Why'd you change it? You didn't have anything. I totally changed it already. Oh. Why are you writing in all caps? Why are you yelling? We discussed CRL! <laughs> the balance updates! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, we discuss CRL, the balance update, and a really sweet deck. Boom! Boom! And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CLNSmedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you enjoy the show. Episode 67, baby, let's go! Are there any famous songs with 67 in the title? Because if there are, I feel like we should be singing it, because I can't think of anything special about the number 67. Well, do you know why 6 was afraid of 7? Because 789, oh! But <laughs> uh, That was a real dad joke. Well, as you get older, you learn more of those things. Right. It's a valid point. Well, uh, we do have a pretty jam-packed show, so you want to just dive right in, head first? Let's do it. With no water in the pool? Well, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. This got problematic very quickly. Real fast. Uh, so, how was your week in the arena? Man, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about, like, a your week in the arena update, because for the first time in well over a year, okay... A year might seem like it goes by fast, folks. Mm -hmm. You know, your birthday comes around and it's right back again the next year. And it's like, oh, wow, that was quick. Christmas, same thing. July 4th, same thing. Personal bests that take a year, (laughs) over a year to come around and go around, that is too long. (laughs) The valid point, sir. And for the first time in well over a year, dude, I hit my personal best of 5130 trophies. I was planted so very nicely into Master 1 and I was less than 3 games away from getting to Master 2. What? Dude, that is awesome. And it was a great moment for my Clash Royale career and it lasted for all but maybe 2 days because I didn't play at all. I mean, yeah, how could you? And then I lost 250 trophies in a row (laughs) i did the automatic the automatic trophy death spiral and i am currently sitting at 4900 trophies 
and I will take a bow and I will own that. Yeah, that, that is uh, that is absolutely incredible. And I I and along with I'm sure all of our listeners truly appreciate the fact that you're owning that right now. That's great. I mean, dude, it was it was such an awesome experience. I am super excited that the season reset happens differently now. And I, I just mm-hmm. think that it has allowed me to play more consistent people and allowed my gameplay to be more consistent. Um and it's just been amazing. And honestly, like, hopefully this is the same for you. We'll get there. But we've seen a tremendous increase in trophy counts across the Discord and clan communities. Absolutely. Um, and if you're looking at the top of the ladder, like tippy tippy top of the ladder, they are well beyond where they've ever been before. And I think it's all because of what we just said, the, the ladder reset change. So, dude, I was super excited. I owned it for about two days and the trophy death spiral hit me. And I expected nothing less. <laughs> well, that's fair. Uh, aside from that, I'm still working uh, on my fireball. Still trying to get that guy to level 11. But man, is that a grind, dude. I am still like just just a little bit above halfway there. And it's painful knowing that it's probably going to take me about two more months to get there. Yeah, I'm still requesting fireballs too, but I'm nowhere near halfway. I don't even think I'm like an eighth of the way. Yeah, well, you'll know. when you When you get to where I'm at in that journey, you'll know what it feels like. Because it's tough. Remember four weeks ago when I was exactly there with my rocket? You know what? I'm there. I do know that. <laughs> I was there. And you do know that. You're right. But you want to know something a little bit more refreshing than long, difficult journeys to level up rares? Long walks on the beach? Nope. No. Dude, I started a mini. You did? I started a mini. And Supercell ID? Man, I didn't give this enough thought and enough credit when it first came out. Dude, Supercell ID is no joke. I'm glad, I'm so glad actually that I got to convince you to do this. And I knew you weren't going to do it on your own because like we always say, the little brother never leads. And this was a prime example of that. Right. Well, I had to make sure that when you did it, you didn't lose your account because I definitely was not going to try it first and lose my account. So I tried Supercell ID, started a mini. And man, I got to tell you, it is super refreshing to like pick back up the game from day one and not worry about maxed cards. Yeah. You ever just look at a life experience and be like, man, I wish I could use the knowledge that I have now and go back and just do it all over again, because if I could, I would. I feel like that's exactly the feeling you get when you start a mini. That's exactly that feeling. It's fantastic. Yeah. So dude, I mean, that's me. It's been ups and downs, but I enjoyed the ups a lot more than I hated the downs. (laughs) Well, the downs are funny. But the downs are funny. And I mean, at this point in our Clash Royale careers, um, I can easily laugh at a two or three hundred death spiral because it happens, man. It happens. <laughs> right. Well, c- clearly. But enough about me, dude. How is your week in the arena? Where do you currently stand? I am currently at uh, 48.03 trophies. Dude. Yeah. That's... Is that your PB? No, it's my second PB. I'm actually terrified to play again uh, because the season's going to end really soon. And I got people in Discord being like, Rob, you got to let me know when you're going to play your game because I'm going to watch and we'll cheer you on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, no pressure, right? Yeah, (laughs) I can't. I'm I'm so scared, dude. Like, I just don't want to mess it up. And knowing me, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to go into it with that negative mindset, but I'm just really, really, really scared. So right now you're sitting at one game away from your personal best. Like if you win this next game, you will be at your PB. Yeah, definitely. Um, my current PB is 4815. You need to play right now while we're recording and tell everybody what the experience is. Well, you know for a fact I'm not going to do that because we're terrible at shoutcasting. Well, 
That's right. But hey, it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm probably going to play now that I know that you made it to 5130. Not that I'm ever going to get there right now, at least. Um, and you took your trophy death spiral. I'm not so afraid. Plus, I came really close. Dude, I haven't made it past 4800 in months. So I agree with everything that you said about the way that they changed the, uh, the ladder reset. Um, it definitely makes it an easier journey through the ladder, right? Like you're playing with people that are more consistent, like you said. Um, I'm currently working on an expo deck. Shocker. Uh, similar style to the Mortar Mauler, but also pretty different. I have 77,000 gold to get my bats to max, but obviously I need the other part of the change. Dude, I got a princess from a war chest, so that was pretty cool. Nice. Uh-huh. And the clan is currently sitting at 2168. That's awesome, dude. It's pretty high. Uh, I'm not sure if it's our all-time high, but it's pretty close. Uh, and something else that wound up happening, I think maybe because of this, we started this test, what we're dubbing Warless Weekends. Okay. Where we've noticed that participation is what you would expect naturally down on the weekend because people are busy. They're doing things in life. Um, and we wanted to see if it made a difference if we took off for the weekend and then just did maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, right? Like just three days a week, because you can only play once every two days, right? So uh, we'll see how that pans out. If it winds up keeping us at our trophy level longer, maybe we'll keep doing it. Plus, it's nice to give everybody a break. They don't get burnt out. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I think for Cast Royale 2, we are currently sitting at 2389 trophies. Nice. Um, we're kind of teetering right around 2400 for you know a couple of days now, but we do war every other day. We don't take weekends off, um, and right now that seems to be working for the clan. But you know, it's interesting hearing what you're saying about how you know different clans feel, right? And and I think that's the beauty behind clan wars, right? Like our clan, sure, some people probably feel a little bit overwhelmed by playing every single day, but the beauty behind it is those people don't have to play every single day, you know. Whereas most of the people in our clan want to play every day. Whereas in your clan, it's a little bit different. And that's totally fine. And I think that that's the beauty behind clan wars is that everybody has their own agenda and make it so that it's what their clan wants to do and it can be sustainable. Because otherwise, like you said, you get burnt out. You don't want to do it anymore. It kind of loses its uh, vibe if you're not having fun. Well, right. And over the one weekend that we wound up actually playing, we wound up dipping below like uh, 2000, I think. So we were like in the 1900 range. And now when, once we did this one weekend where we didn't play, we wound up holding our position a little bit longer. So I, I don't know, you know, it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. We'll see. It's a test. Total experiment. Rob, the mad scientist. That's, that's, that's me. Doc Brown over here. Um, and I also started a mini. So you forgot to mention your mini account's name. Good, sir. Oh, naturally. I go from the Boom Man to Mini Boom. Boom. And naturally, I go from Nonstop Rug to Mini Rug. Boom. <laughs> totally appropriate. Totally. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we are currently visiting uh, one of our Discord members' clans, and we're having a great time just hanging out, chatting with everybody, and we're probably going to do some sort of a tour with our minis because this gives us the flexibility to join other clans. So get ready, guys. We're coming. We're moving on in, baby. <laughs> the Boom Bros are taking over. All right, so you want to move into some topics, dude? Please, let's do it. All right, so why don't we just start off with the elephant in the room? Ready. Which was, for the first time ever, Supercell basically performed a hot fix into the game. 
fixing or adjusting the royal recruits. Dude, they were nerfed almost as immediately as they were brought into the arena. Yes, they were. Um, what are your thoughts on this? So, I mean, obviously, I think the entire community knew that they were going to be nerfed at some point. I, I just don't think that anybody really expected it to happen so soon. Um, and I really commend Supercell, especially the Rumham, for kind of going out on a limb and really explaining everything. Dude, his Reddit post was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I, I have to commend him for going out of his way. And I mean, dude kind of fell on his sword a little bit. And obviously, I don't think it's really like all his fault, like he says, but I think it's a big move for a company to say that they kind of did something wrong and fix it immediately. See, I agree with you, but I also think this. I think that not only admitting when something didn't go as planned, but being transparent while also being insightful about what the process was to get to the point that it was at. We saw five different versions of a card that never made it to the arena until the final stage. And even that final stage was tweaked just a few days before it was released into the arena via the challenge. You saw how it went from like a, a line of little or big guards to, uh, to something else, to something else. And it just constantly evolved, right? And I think the points that he made are very, are very simple, but yet very impactful. Supercell has only so many employees, right? Mm -hmm. No matter how much playtesting they put, no matter how much time and effort they put into playtesting this card versus whatever meta decks or non-meta decks they want to play against, they can spend weeks upon weeks trying to do that. Within five minutes of that card getting released, the community will have played hundreds of times more the amounts of games that they would have played deck testing. Right. So there is... It's impossible for them to deck test all of the different possibilities and scenarios and matchups that we, the community, can deck test in such a short period of time, right? He was insightful. He was transparent. He owned whatever mistakes he said he owned. But what's cooler about it is that the design intent was laid out, the reasons for why they did it were laid out, and the fix that happened immediately brought it back to what that design was. So they realized, hey, here's where we went wrong. Here's how we have to fix it to make it what we intended it to be. Totally. Um, and I 100% understand the reason why it was categorized as a common card now. Because if you read the post, a common card is something that should be very, very simple, kind of like a one note type of card. It should be something that you should understand immediately just by really looking at what it does um, and know how to play it instinctively. And I think that that makes perfect sense. So I'm sorry I said that. I just, you know, now that I understand the why behind it, totally more forgiving. Right. So while it seems like a really unique element to a card, it's a very simple card to play, hence common. Bingo. Something else to note, though, this nerf, this hotfix came even before the August update came out, right? Which is when they were going to fix it. But chest offers were going to be given to the community, and they didn't want to mislead people thinking that they were going to be super, super powerful, and then nerf them two or three days later, right? So I don't know if you saw this, dude, but Supercell put the gem offer like in the shop to buy the chests and didn't put a notification in the game that the hotfix occurred. So if you followed Supercell on Twitter, they mentioned that the hotfix happened and they mentioned that the balance happened for just the Royal Recruits. But when you got into game, the only thing you saw was this chest offer for the Royal Recruits. 
So people spent like 300 gems <laughs> to try and get this card. And they were like, well, hold on a minute. I didn't even know it got nerfed. And I didn't know what that nerf was. Did you know that Supercell realized what they did wrong, that they didn't notify people in the game that that was actually occurring? And they refunded their gems and let them keep the cards? I know. I actually, uh, I, I, I think despite the obvious mistake of releasing a card that was very strong for such a low cost, I think they, they, they kind of handled being the cleanup crew pretty well. Look, I mean, what more can you do, right? You, you, and then they, they wound up eventually putting the notification in the game. But people call them greedy. People call them money hungry. If they were that, they wouldn't have given back the gems. It's a fair point. I agree. But they did, and I thought that that was really commendable in recognizing mistakes and fixing them, making sure the community knows that you've got their back is a, is a big thing. Right. And also, something else that they did, which they didn't have to do, and I'm kind of suspicious that it happened immediately after our episode, um, they came out with a really casual challenge, including the Royal Recruits, just simply called the Royal Recruits Practice. And dude, you couldn't lose. You had to get 20 crowns. And you would be rewarded with 100 gems. 100 gems. When's the last time you got a free 100 gems? I haven't gotten a free 100 gems, but I know this. I know that the people who paid 100 gems and were pretty upset about it to get the common card in the challenge probably loved getting that 100 gems back. And I thought it was a really cool thing to do. Yep. Uh, And I also loved getting my 100 gems, even though I didn't really spend any gems. I just loved getting the gems. Right, well, now you can use them on something else. What's better than that? Nothing. Boom. Boom. Tonight, we are sponsored by Hymns. Hey, Rob, you're getting up there in, in age, aren't you? You're like 32 or 31 or something, right? 31, but yeah. Well, did you know that 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35? I did not know that. And if there's one thing I know for sure, it's that while we're playing Clash Royale, there are plenty of times when we just want to pull our hair out. So why would you want to be someone with bald spots on your head? Dude, you're getting to the age where that's about to happen. We need to be part of the 34% of men that keep their hair. Fortunately for you, I've got the solution. Hims, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and wellness for men. If you're experiencing any hair loss, Hims connects you with real doctors that have medical-grade solutions as well as well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions that will help you keep your hair by just going to 4 And what's even better is that now our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So be sure to go to 4 slash CR. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash C-R to get your trial for just $5 today. Thanks a lot to Hims for sponsoring our show. So we had a couple things that we wanted to talk about real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Um, first up, we had a conversation with someone on Twitter that actually made the two of us realize that maybe Supercell could take an idea and put it in the game. So it has to do with emotes, right? Uh, currently in the game, you can purchase packs of four specific emotes that are predetermined. They're kind of like a set, right? An official set, so to speak. Or you can get them with special offers that may come with extra gold, may come with extra cards, may come with extra chests. So we were thinking that wouldn't it be fun if maybe they introduced some sort of customizable emote pack that instead of you getting four predetermined emotes, 
you'd be able to pick and choose four emotes that you'd like. And maybe, you know, because you're getting that customizable feel to it, you pay a little bit more because people will pay to have that flexibility to be able to pick the emotes that they want. Right. So our idea is pretty simple. You go into the emote deck screen and within the emote deck screen, there is a purchase $4.99 button and right where it says emote collection, maybe to the right of it. And you simply push the button and you can pick four of your very own emotes. Four that don't have to be all goblins or all giants or whatever. You can pick the four of your choice. And because you have that ability to pick four of your choice and get the four specific ones that you want, you pay a little bit more for it. I'll tell you one thing, dude. I would pay $4.99 for the emotes that I want right now. The four emotes, the top four that I want right now, before I would buy three or even two packs of emotes. And I would do that twice. I think that's pretty fair. And I actually think that it's a pretty good idea. Um, I think that they would have to work out what would happen if you already had an emote that was currently being offered in one of the official sets. But, you know, they're they're a big company. They got smart people there. They could figure it out. Yeah, I agree. But dude, another thought that we had, which we actually posted on Twitter about, was a war deck bulletin board within the clan chat. Yes. So you know how like when you're in collection day, everyone's kind of collecting cards and trying to figure out the best decks, right? Well, what happens when people find a pretty good deck, but they post that deck in the clan chat via the clan share button, right? Well, throughout the day, people talk, people play games. I mean, that stuff just goes away really quickly. And it's actually pretty difficult to find a, an easy way to copy a good deck that you want. Now, of course, if people play the deck, right, in their war battle, you can go and you can watch their replay under the clan war tab, but then you have to remember what those cards were, and you have to build the deck yourself, and it's kind of annoying having to do that, uh, because it's very easy to forget a card or two. Um, I think we've all been been there before, where you just can't figure out the seventh and eighth card. Um, Yep. Well, what if at the top right of the clan chat, there was a little button that just had like three cards in purple um, that kind of overlapped each other? And when you clicked on it, it brought up a separate screen that was all of the decks that were shared by your clan mates, which you can very easily see the eight cards. You can see the elixir cost and you can click copy. And even better, what happens if the game automatically categorized them in order of whether those battles won in the war day or not? I think that would just be icing on top of an already beautiful cake. Right? Like the game knows, like it can know that, you know, you have 45 participants. If three people used this deck and all three won, that should be at the top of the list. <laughs> no, dude, I completely agree with everything that you've been saying. You know, it's, it's just nice to have all of those things in one place, sort of like a hub, so you can easily access them. That's all. Totally agree, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing that I personally wanted to bring it up, I'm I'm curious if you actually agree. So I think that the game has been around for two years. Over two years. Over two years at this point. That's true. It has been over two years. Uh, And there are multiple, multiple legendaries out, right? Like there are so many more legendaries now than there were even a year ago, which makes it very difficult to get legendaries to be able to level them up. So my thought was, why can't legendaries be a bit more common? What do you mean? Well, I mean, how often do you get a legendary? Despite how often we open one up on the show 
and when we have fun with our chest openings because it takes a very long time to save up those chests and have a good chest opening, right? So, you know, let's leave that to the side. On a normal chest cycle, how often do you get a legendary, would you say? Honestly, it probably, honestly, right? Like it's probably like once a month max for me. Okay. Once a month is, is not terrible, but it's also not great considering that there are now 15 legendaries in the game. So even if you're lucky enough to get a legendary, the chances of you getting the one that you actually need is 1 15th. Yeah. I mean, I guess those odds are even more skewed because they give you ones that you don't have a lot of, but maybe I don't, right? Like if you don't have a lot of cards anymore, they double the chances that you get it. So right. maybe I have very little bits of Sparky, but maybe I don't want a Sparky. <laughs> Ob- <laughs> obviously you wouldn't want a Sparky, Joe. Everybody knows that from the last episode. That's the unspoken truth or the very loudly <laughs> spoken truth. It's pretty, it's pretty loud. Yeah, it's pretty loud. <laughs> but to your point, right? Like I don't want Sparky. I don't want an Ice Wizard. I want Bandits. I want Royal Ghosts. I want Ewiz. I want, like, that's what I want, you know, but I, I never get them. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, well, let me put it to you in perspective. Let me say it this way. I have been playing this game for over two years. My log, the one card in my Mortar Mauler deck that cannot be maxed currently, is still at level two. And I only have two out of 10 of those cards to get it to level three. Right. So that's your number one ladder deck that we've been playing for well over a year and a half. And you've been playing the game for over two years. Yep. And I still can't get it to level three. And at, at this rate, it may, it may never happen because there are a lot of legendaries, like we said, and they're obviously going to introduce more at some point. So one of the things that I was thinking, and I want to see what you think of this, maybe one of the ways that they can do it to start, right? Because it could always improve as they keep going. What if one of the ways that they do it is introduce a legendary card request day, the same way that they do the Epic Sundays? I get a little bit skeptical about that. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen it on Reddit before, but I just think doing it too much would be a lot. You know, like I think it would have to be like super rare and it would have to be like a special event, so to speak. It, it couldn't be, you know, something quote unquote, like we said before, common because then it, it would lose the feel. So like, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, you already said that you feel like you get one once a month, right? So what if we just stuck with that average and just did a special event at the end of the month, once a month, it's legendary card request day. I think that's fantastic, actually. Right? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm trying to take a mile while I'm asking for an inch. No, I mean, I think it's not a bad idea. Look, dude, I mean, if you do it on one day, it's not even guaranteed that every single person in Clash Royale can request one, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, not everybody plays every single day. So even if you have it on Tuesday, let's just say, you know, one random Tuesday or, you know, one random Sunday, whatever it winds up being, um, it's not even a guarantee that I log in to get the legendary. So it, you know, obviously would increase the total amount of legendaries out there, but I don't think it would like kill the market. Plus, if you're requesting, if, if, if you're donating legendaries, that means you're losing, someone gains one and someone loses one, right? The net is still the same in the game. So you know, I think it just helps the community focus on what they want to get as opposed to being given what they have to get from a legendary perspective. All right. So to piggyback off of our idea and keep it going, what if when you can make that request, you could only request one card? Then I'm even more into it. I mean, once a month, one legendary, it's a little bit of a boost. And I think that's what it currently needs. Yep. Um, so yeah, just wanted to put that out there and see what happens because 
I don't know, man. I'm just kind of feeling it that I really, really, really want to get my log leveled up. And just getting it to level three seems to be like climbing Mount Everest for no reason. I totally agree. Mm hmm. So you wanted to bring something up about CRL, right? Yeah, dude, real quick. So I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, man, but the CRL teams are almost all moved into Los Angeles. So the teams, they're going from all over the place and they are on their way to Los Angeles where CRL will occur over the next couple of months. And what's even cooler is that depending on if they get the assets and channels prepped in time, they're going to have the teams go live and potentially do some tournaments for the community. Yeah, that, that, that sounds amazing, actually. And what's even cooler is that more CRL teams are actually finalizing their rosters, so we should be hearing more about those in the next coming weeks. But also, if those tournaments occur and there's more teams involved, it's going to be an even bigger spectacle. So, you know, I'm just excited to see how this is all panning out. We've been talking about it for a very long time. It's just cool to see how, in reality, people are moving now. They're going to LA, and we're almost ready for, for game time, dude. I know, dude. It's, it's so exciting. And... uh I cannot wait to fanboy out with you when that happens. Boom. Boom. And Joe, one last thing before we move on to our next section. A-Rod. A-Rod? A-Rod. A-Rod. All right, Joe, you know what time it is? Oh, I know exactly what time it is. It's time for Boom It or Move It. Boom It or Move It. And this week, we are doing our Boom It or Move It section on the August balance changes. So I hope you're excited. We're not going to talk about the Royal Recruits because we already talked about that. So we know that that's part of it. Um, But we thought it would be fun to do the other cards. So, Joe, are you ready for number one? Let's do it. The Royal Hogs first hit is now much quicker. 0.65 seconds quicker, to be exact. Boom it or move it. Dude, I am totally booming this one. Nice. I just feel like the Royal Hogs, they, you know, they said it in the description, but the Royal Hogs, they come, first of all, they're supposed to be royal, right? They run up to the, to the tower, like they're getting ready to feast on something. And then they just kind of like hang out for a little bit. And then they start attacking. It's a little bit underwhelming. And I think because they get there so fast, it's cooler if they attack for their first hit over a half a second faster that's a lot dude yeah no i agree we see cards all the time be increase their attack speed by like 0.1 and it makes all the difference in the world their first attack is gonna happen 0.65 seconds faster i think they're gonna hit the map harder they're gonna hit and run into the tower harder the damage will occur faster and i think that's exactly what they need they were lackluster in damage and this allows them to get it this is the kind of card that i want to induce panic to my opponent when it comes out Right, I mean, like the Hog Rider, right? Like if you spend four Elixir on the Hog Rider and it doesn't make it to the tower, well, you're pretty upset about it, right? Like, And, and now you've got to counter something that your opponent has when you just spent four Elixir. It's the same thing. You should be rewarded for your attempt, but also you have to deal with the consequences of losing four Elixir, right, for attacking the tower. But if they never make it to the tower and deal damage, it's kind of like, well, why am I even spending four Elixir on it? <laughs> right, it's a terrible waste of Elixir for sure. Right, so I think this will... Definitely helps. I, you know, I don't know if it's exactly what they need to make them quote unquote meta material, but I do think that it's definitely in the right direction. Couldn't agree more. All right. So next up, are you ready? Ready. Dude, the night damage increased by 5%. Boom it or move it. I'm going to have to boom this one. 
tell me why. <laughs> I mean, I know you don't disagree. There's no way. It's impossible. Uh, but anything that helps our buddy the knight, especially since he's a core part of the Mortar Mauler and many, many, many other decks, I think that uh, this makes him much more useful, even though it doesn't seem like a lot. Uh, they say in the description that it helps take care of goblins, right? So he'll be really good against Goblin Barrel and the Goblin Gang because he can take them out with a single blow. And that's huge, man. I mean, if you think about it, right? Three regular goblins would take six hits for him to kill, whereas now it mm -hmm. takes three. Um, I mean, that's just so much time saved. It's so much less damage taken on him. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, this is probably the first time in a very long time that any card, any card at all that exists within the Mortar Mauler has been buffed and not nerfed. <laughs> it's, it's probably true. So I'm going to boom it with you, dude. Nice. Double boom. All right. You ready for number three? Let's do it. The Tesla Tower had its lifetime decreased from 40 seconds to 35 seconds, plus its hit speed was reduced from 1 second to 1.1 seconds. So bit of a nerf there. Boom it or move it. So I'm going to boom this one, man. I'm going to agree with your boom. So that's another double boom, two in a row, actually. So quadruple boom. But why? So I just feel like the Tesla Tower has just been dominant. I mean, if you look at the tippy top of the ladder, and if you look at how it performs in just arena play in general, if used correctly, it is a powerhouse on defense. But also, it's super, super useful in decks like the Expo Tesla deck. And I just feel like whether you're using it for true defensive purposes, or you're using it to distract and protect your Expo, in either scenario, it kills minions and goblins and bats and all these other things so fast, but it also just has a presence on the map that just seems never ending because it hides for so long <laughs> and you can't attack it until it pops up. So it just feels like a really long time it's controlling a specific portion of the map. This allows it to not be so impactful and potentially gives, you know, or opens the door for other buildings to be used. And I thought the one thing that was super interesting, dude, was that the Tesla Tower has a higher use rate, get this, than all other defensive towers combined. What? I mean, it puts the rest of them to shame and some. So, I mean, when, when something is shining that much, there's clearly a, you know, a reason for that. And it's, you know, overtaking the meta. And I think they just needed more options. So I boom it. Definitely needed to temper that. All right, so next one up is the Bomb Tower. And this one's big, dude. The elixir cost was reduced from five cost to four. Lifetime was decreased from 40 to 35 seconds, very similar to the Tesla Tower. And on top of that, the health was reduced by 33%. Huge, huge chunk of change. Boom it or move it. Ooh, um, hmm. I think I'm going to boom this one, too. Okay. So, obviously, as they said, this card hasn't been used for a really, really long time, right? It's, it's, it's got very, very low use rates. So, taking this card from 5 cost to 4 cost makes it so that when it's interacting with cards that it would normally be used to defend against, makes that elixir trade a little bit more equal, right? Like, a lot of those cards are 3 and 4. So, throwing down a 5 cost card to deal with something that's three or four elixir, that's not really, like, why throw it down? Right, I mean, you think about the cards that you'd want to defend against with that. It's the Skeleton Army. It's the Goblin Gang. It's the Battle Ram, right? I mean, it's these swarmy type cards, the guards. But on top of that, 
the hog rider, right? Like you would hate to use the bomb tower on a hog rider because sure, while it's nice to kill the hog rider, you lose an elixir. And oh, by the way, you're spending a building for five costs that can't attack air and doesn't have increased range or anything, which is why most people, if they do have a building, use the Tesla because it attacks both ground and air. Bingo. And also, I think the reason why they changed the other stats is because the value for four cost was way too high if they kept it the same. So I think they had to kind of temper that a little bit. Right. But one thing that was interesting is that the damage itself is all the same. So the interactions with those troops are the same. It's just they can kill if they get to that tower. They can kill the bomb tower faster and it doesn't last as long on the map. But the interaction of how it kills them is exactly the same. I know, and I think that's probably the biggest thing as to why I think it's a boom. Even though I don't like this card. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. So next up is the cannon cart that is now immune to the knockback effect from cards like the fireball. Its lifetime was increased from 20 seconds to 30 seconds, and its transformation time has greatly been reduced. Boom it or move it. So I think I'm gonna boom this one. Although, a part of it I don't quite know if I get yet. Okay. So the part that I question is the immune to knockback effect. Um, I feel like maybe at the tippy-tippy top of the arena and like pro-pro professional play, um, people can perform the knockback at the perfect moment to push this thing out of range of their tower and basically mm -hmm. render this thing useless. But... I don't necessarily know if most people can time that that well. <laughs> um, and I just feel like this might make it a little bit overpowered for like the normal you and I part of the community. But also don't forget about cards like the bowler. It allows the cannon cart to counter the bowler a little bit easier, right? You know, that's a good point. But, you know, aside from the immune to knockback effect, I do think the fact that it being increased in lifetime for its, you know, cannon form when it's an actual building is a really good thing because one it'll distract things like the giant or the lava hound or the balloon for a longer period of time but also because it'll just damage things for a longer period of time i just felt like with this card it was lackluster with damage and that's the whole point of it uh and the final point which is the transformation um into the cannon i think is really good that it's being reduced because a lot of times you'd see it transform and they're like ah oh, shoot shoot <laughs> please shoot <laughs> um <laughs> But, but now it's kind of like, hopefully, as soon as it dies, it'll just kind of keep firing off cannon shots, which is, you know, what you want in the card. Constant damage. Right. Totally agree. All right. Next up is the Inferno Dragon. Two things with this card. First, the range has been reduced from four tiles to 3.5, so it has to be a little bit closer to deal damage. And the Inferno Dragon can now be knocked back by things like the Fireball. Boom it or move it? Boom it. Okay. Inferno Dragon is one of the most ridiculous legendaries in the entire game, and I always feel like you need to have an answer to that card. How many times have you thrown a rocket at an Inferno Dragon? Quite often, actually. Yeah, especially if it's hovering right above the tower, right? Um, so I think making the range a little bit more in line, or exactly in line, I guess, with the Baby Dragon, that makes it a little bit more tamed. Plus, if you're on the fence between choosing the Inferno Tower versus the Inferno Dragon, that distinction makes it a little bit more clear for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I agree, right? Like, now it is harder to position the Inferno Dragon in such a place that it can defend against anything on your half of the arena. 
Um, mm -hmm. I mean, previously you can position that thing in such a way that you can literally place it in like, I, I don't know the tile placement, but you can place it in one tile and it'll kill a giant that is being pulled across the center of the arena and it'll kill a balloon that's coming down the pipeline as well with the same placement. So hopefully this half a tile reduction will allow your troops to get out of its range and you know maybe you don't have to waste a zap every single time that you're playing against it. I just think it, it's just easier to deal with and that's what this card needs. Right. Did, do you like the knockback? I'm confused a little bit about, about the knockback, to be honest with you, but I feel like standardization is something that they want to do in this game, and that's what they're doing, right? Like, we'll get to the changes across the board, but it's this is not the only one that's going to be knocked back. but I think that standardization is a key element to this change, and so far it's worked out well. That's true, but also remember that one of the reasons why they gave it the ability to, well, not really ability, but it gets affected by the knockback is it breaks its beam so it has to restart its charge right so not a lot of people are running zap or running an e-wiz so this gives you other options to be able to break that beam because the beam is the thing that destroys right so now that's a great point so now if they're attacking your tank you can position your fireball or better yet your two cost giant snowball to yep. push the thing back to the left or the right or, or, or back or forward, whatever the direction is that you need to push it in so that it unlocks on your target. <laughs> Bingo. So I think that alone is a huge thing. Right. More counters to the beam attachment, which I totally agree with. Next up, speaking of which, is the Baby Dragon, who had its hit speed increased from 1.6 seconds to 1.5 seconds, so it attacks a little bit faster. And it also can be knocked back by Fireball and Snowball. Boom it or move it? I'm going to boom this one, man. Tell me why. So I think in the day and age of Swarm cards, like the Witch coming back to life, the Minion Horde being super powerful, especially at the pro level, things like the Goblin Gang, the Baby Dragon is just so useful. But the problem with the Baby Dragon is that sometimes it can seem like it attacks a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a prime example of this would be if you try and use the Baby Dragon to counter a Graveyard. While in theory it should be the perfect counter, it just falls short a little bit because it feels like it's attacking a bit slower than those skellies are being generated. So I'm excited for this. I think it's going to help tame the swarm meta and give you other options to use to counter it. Uh, and again, I think the knockback effect is standardized and I'm a big fan. I, you said it perfectly. Couldn't agree more. Next up is the balloon. The only change here is that it can now be knocked back. <laughs> Boom it or move it? I mean, I think I'm gonna have to boom it. How do you not? Right? I mean, the balloon is one of the most destructive cards in the game. And again, it's one of those situations where if you don't have the things to deal with that card properly, you're destroyed, bro. And most people will run things that can knock back other troops like a fireball. So I think this is great. And I love that they called out the fact that it is a direct answer to countering Lava Loon decks. I totally agree, but let me ask you a question. Mm. How often do you run into an issue with a loon where you literally just needed one tile more in order for you to kill it before it landed a shot on your tower? Uh, I only have two hands, so way more than that? Way more than that. Now think about it this way. If you would have had a fireball or a giant snowball, aside from a tornado, right? Because a tornado would have pulled it way far back. But now, if you time it right, 
the fireball that you use on it isn't pointless anymore. Not only does it do damage to it, but it pushes it back. <laughs> and if it pushes it back a tile, well then it has to come forward a tile, which is two tiles of displacement. So it just makes it so much easier to deal with. Exactly, and maybe this makes it so that I don't have to waste so many rockets trying to take out a balloon. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. And the last one, probably my favorite, is to the King Tower, which had its damage increased to match the damage of the other arena towers. Boom it or move it. Boom, boom, ba boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yep. 100%. Dude, talk about standardization. This is another one. And it just never made very much sense to me. I I got the, the point of it, right? Like the princess towers had less health, more damage. King tower had more health, less damage. So it was kind of inverse. But when you look at the princess towers, they are designed in such a way that they interact very specifically with every single troop. Mm -hmm. The king tower falls short of that mark because it doesn't interact the same way. So it could take three hits to kill something that it should have taken two for a princess tower. Or four hits instead of three and that's a big deal especially if you're dealing with multiple cards so i think that this makes so much sense and i can't wait to use it <laughs> it makes so much sense that i can't believe they haven't done it earlier honestly right no i i agree and to be honest with you it also um impacts the it might not seem like a big deal but it, it is a pretty big deal because activating the king tower before your princess towers are dead now becomes a bigger deal for things like the miner because the miner yes. will get killed much faster. Not much faster, but I mean, if it takes one less hit to kill it, that's a big deal. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. That's why, you know, I love this change. Well, one of the reasons why I love this change. Boom. Boom. Did we boom everything? I think we boomed it all. Wow. So, the final word, what's the grade? I think I'm going to have to give this one an A, dude. I think I'm going to give it an A, too. Yeah, I thought that this was unique changes to cards that I didn't quite expect. Like, to be honest with you, I never thought of knockback being such a big deal. But when you think about it a little bit more and you kind of look at the reasons behind it, I mean, it opens up the door for using other kinds of spells. Maybe ones that were put aside before, but now may have significantly better use rates than they did before. And that would be the fireball and the giant snowball and to be honest right like the giant snowball missed the mark totally when it first was released it was super mm -hmm. underpowered it still is underpowered and hopefully this allows you to say okay well hey look the main reason that you use zap was because you got a reset on the inferno dragon which was overused well now you can still get a reset on that inferno dragon and push back other troops and slow them all down right so it's 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 appealing yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have much more to add to that, but I will say that I just love all the specifics of this particular balance update. I feel like they really focused on cards that truly needed it. Um, and also, lest we forget that this balance update also technically includes the nerf to the Royal Recruits. So it sorely needed it. I think that that, was, uh, that card is meta-breaking, um, and hopefully these new changes, along with that one huge change, make the meta a little bit more fun again. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to our meta check. Meta check. And this meta check comes to us from our boy, Sir Devin, Lord Christmas. And he has another 
awesome review of what's going on in the arena. So Joe, what's Devin got to say? All right, man. So like you said, our boy Lloyd Christmas, Devin, hit us with the numbers yet again. Are you ready? I'm so excited. Let's do it. Man, the fireball use rate is currently through the roof. And if this trend continues, it will be set for its largest use rate at approximately 52% at the tippy tippy top of the ladder. This comes at the expense of poison, which is currently being used at 18%, and the rocket, which is currently being used at 12%. And you might be asking, well, what about the lightning? Well, that thing has faded into obscurity at the tippy top of the ladder, being used at a whopping 0%. Ooh. Now, we just talked about the balance change for the fireball. If pros are already using the fireball for specific purposes and they get the added benefit of a knockback effect, this number is definitely going to increase over the next cycle. Oh, for sure. Totally agree. Another card that's seen a big uptick is the Royal Ghost, which is currently hovering at about 30% use rates. This would also be a record as its previous high was around 19%. And surprisingly, for this meta check, the Royal Recruits were only used once in the current period. Now granted, that was at a snapshot moment in time, but this snapshot was taken after the two elixir nerf to the Royal Recruits that seems to have turned the pros off to this card altogether. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to I have to giggle a little bit about it. It's just kind of funny. It is funny, but mm -hmm. necessary. Alright, so this week, dude, Devin wanted to do something a little bit different with the meta check. Uh-oh. Should I be excited or nervous? You might be nervous. I mean, you said you've played for two and a half years, and what Devin wants to do is test your knowledge oh. with a little bit of something that he'd like to call meta check trivia. Devin, come on, man. Two years of experience literally means nothing. Well, we'll see exactly how much it means when we start off with a few easy questions. Alright, I could take a softball. Alright, well, considering everything at tournament standards, we'll start off with the first round. Are you ready? Do I get a lifeline? You can phone a friend. His name is Joe. He is not, I promise you he's not going to help me. I don't think he will, but you can try. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, question number one. What single troop has the highest DPS in the game? Um, uh, hmm... I guess I would have to pick Pekka. Ding, ding, ding. Pekka is right. Yeah, buddy. And some people might not know this, but Pekka actually, the big mama Pekka, does 376 damage per second. All right. I'm, I'm digging this. I got the first one right. So number two. Number two. What single troop in the game has the lowest damage per second in the game? Mm, Ice Spirit. Ice Golem. Oh, come on! Which has a damage per second of 28. Pretty useless, but yet used so much. <laughs> yeah, clearly. All right, well, I guess on to number three. Final question for the first round. What card has the highest DPS in the game? Ooh, ooh, ooh! I know this! The Skeleton Army! Wow. The Skeleton Army, when all Skeletons are alive and ready, when all Little Larrys are running around, dealing damage, do 938 damage per second as a card. Yeah, dude. It's a lot. It's a ton of damage. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you got that. <laughs> I actually came across that stat a couple weeks ago, so you'd be surprised at what I know. 
I am surprised, but also kind of impressed. Thanks. But now, let's see how you fare when the questions get a little bit trickier. I'm ready. What does more damage to a tower, a swat from Big Mama Pekka, or one hit from a balloon? It's gotta be the balloon. That's right, man. The balloon does 798 damage to a tower at tournament caps. Boom. Which is 120 damage more than Big Mama Pekka would with one swing. That's what happens when you put a skeleton in a balloon. Crazy things happen. Mm-hmm. Question number two. Which has a higher DPS? The golem or the giant? Definitely the golem. Uh. It's the giant, dude, by over 35 damage per second. What? I told you, two and a half years doesn't mean anything, dude. I told you that, and I feel like I don't even know you anymore. The third and final round. One question, the hardest one, of which Devin says, if you get this correct, you are a Clash Royale master. <laughs> are you ready? I can already tell you that that is not the title that I hold here. Prepare to not have that title. <laughs> Rank these cards in order of their death damage from highest to smallest. Not excited about this question. The skeleton barrel, the ice golem, and a golemite. Death damage. Hmm. All right, so the three cards are skeleton barrel, ice golem, and the golemite. Skeleton barrel... Golemite, Ice Golem. You literally got all three wrong. Yes! Nailed it! <laughs> so, <laughs> so you you are definitely not a Clash Royale master, but granted, I would have gotten this wrong too. In reality, it is the Ice Golem that does the most damage at 70, the Skeleton Barrel, which does 67, and the Golemites, which do 53 a pop. All I have to say is I hope everyone listening fared better than I did here tonight. Well, we can only hope. We can probably count on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's it, man. That's the meta check. Hope you guys enjoyed this little twist. I thought this was pretty cool, so... <laughs> you would! The meta check trivia. I loved watching Rob get more than 50% of the questions wrong after he flaunts and taunts his two and a half year span. Did I flaunt and taunt it? I mean... That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, you're entitled to your own opinion, I guess. Boom. And Devin, love you. Thanks a lot for putting me on the spot, bruh. Next time I need some questions to ask Joe. I'd like to test my knowledge. Boom. Tonight, we're sponsored by Hunt a Killer. Want to be inside your favorite crime show or podcast and solve the murder like a real detective? Hunt a Killer lets you do just that. It's an interactive investigation delivered right to your doorstep each month. Hunt a Killer delivers clues, correspondence, and other physical items that you put into a serial killer's mind. Decode and investigate to unravel the case. It's like you're living in your favorite true crime series. That's right, Robin. We're members, and it really does put you right into the action. It's not like anything you've ever done. Trust us. It's been featured on BuzzFeed, Washington Post, the editors of Bustle are even writing a monthly article about their experience. 
And here's something else that's cool. Hunt a Killer has partnered with the Cold Case Foundation. So part of your monthly membership will go toward helping police departments catch real killers and close cold cases. That's right. So join us and tens of thousands of others by signing up for a Hunt a Killer membership at www.huntakiller.com. And if investigating isn't your thing, you probably know someone who would love this as a gift. To help support our show, they've offered a 10% discount on the first month for our listeners. But it's only available for a limited time. So go now to huntakiller.com and use the code CAST to get 10% off your first month. That's C A S T CAST. Huntakiller.com. Can you solve the case? Thanks a lot to Hunt a Killer for sponsoring our show. All right, let's move on to our Deck Spotlight. Deck Spotlight. And this deck is called Raging Hog. And it's a 3.3 average elixir cost deck that contains, you guessed it, the Hog Rider, Inferno Dragon, Lumberjack, Ice Golem, Guards, Minions, Fireball, and Zap. So Joe, tell me how to get my hog to the tower and rage all over my opponent. All right, man. So as you can tell, this deck is super, super fast. At 3.3 average elixir cost, it is a cycle hog cycle deck and as you could tell by the name it involves a little bit of rage in the lumberjack it's great on defense but what's even better about this card is that once it goes on an offensive counter push it gets out into the other side of the arena its only goal is to wreak havoc on that side of the map whether it's making your opponent have awkward placements with their troops throwing down ground troops that they didn't necessarily want to in order to distract it but what's even worse is that once it dies, it creates a huge circle of rage, which is the perfect combination for a hog rider that only wants to sprint its way on over to the tower. So with this deck, the key is simple. Defend, defend, defend. You've got guards, you've got lumberjack, and you've got the inferno dragon, all three of which are very good defensive cards to use pretty much anywhere on the map in most situations. You got to be careful though because the guards will die to a poison and so if your opponent has that you'll have to either one really work on your placement or two just resort to your inferno dragon. Nice. The guards and the minions tend to die to similar things like the poison they get you know annoyed by the zap they get annoyed by the arrows. The minions are like your pocket troop. You use the guards to bait out the bigger spell like a fireball potentially or a poison. You might even bait out a zap potentially in arrows, just something that gets the shield off of them and potentially kills them. Mm-hmm. Because once that happens, the minions are actually pretty difficult to deal with. If you keep those as your pocket card, they go on offense very, very well. The problem is finding the right moment, the right slot to make them happen. Now, as we saw with the minion horde, the minion horde is a very, very powerful card. The pros at the tippy top of the ladder know exactly how to use it and when to use it. The minions can offer a similar impact, but maybe just with not as much of a punch, right? Like, if you get them onto a tower, they're really difficult to deal with. Um, And they do very crazy amounts of damage in a very short period of time. So, if you can defend and bait out your opponent's spells, well, then going onto the offense just becomes even that much easier. The Ice Golem is your best distracting card, but what's even better about it is that it dubs as a meat shield for your Hog Rider. So in a perfect world, you've got two 
great defensive cards in the Lumberjack and the Inferno Dragon that are used to counter your opponent's most offensive pushes. You can use the Guards or the Ice Golem to distract when the time comes, especially for things like the P.E.K.K.A., Knight, Prince, and things like that. Once the counter push is done, use the Ice Golem as a meat shield for your Hog Rider, but be sure to let your Lumberjack get out in front of them. Let it deal the damage it's supposed to deal. Let it be a kamikaze, because as soon as it dies, the arena, your hog, and your Inferno Dragon are just going to get engulfed in rage, and all you need to do, sit back, relax, watch, and decide when you throw out your fireball, your zap, or you slam the hammer down with the minions. Dude, this deck is a powerhouse. It's very difficult to play, to be honest with you, because it's, it's not the simplest combination of cards. But I tell you, dude, once you figure out how to distract, defend, then commit hard, you'll see that this deck shines. And we've seen this deck at the tippy top of the ladder, so we know it works. Plus, it's 3.3, so it's really, really fast, and its cyclability is really easy to get onto. Right, and that's the key, because if you make a mistake, you can get back to whatever card you're looking for very quickly. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's just you've got so many different options to distract and counter and defend and then go on an offensive counter push. It's limitless in some senses, but like I said, it takes a little while to get there because this is a high skill cap deck. You'll find inconsistent results when you first start playing. Sometimes you'll win drastically. Sometimes you'll get literally pummeled until you learn the placement, the order of the troops. And, and really just how the deck synergizes with itself, and really when you can overcommit on offense. Really finding that right moment, that right window of opportunity, is really what's going to separate your wins from your losses. Right. Well, this deck does seem like a powerhouse, and I'm really excited to give it a try. Boom. All right, man. Well, we also got a new patron! New patron! Huge shout out to Jim M for joining the Cast Royale Patron Club. Jim, thank you so much for supporting what we do, donating your hard-earned money so that Rob and I can continue delivering fresh, awesome, new, fun, and friendly content to the Cast Royale community. We truly appreciate it. Bada bada. Boom. Boom. All right, so that's pretty much it. Uh, if you would like to join our clan, please join our Discord at castrealpodcast.com slash Discord because we always post open spots there. And as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter by using the handle at podcastroyale. That's right. And if you would like to email us, send that email to feedback at castrealpodcast.com. And as always, the number one way that you can help us reach more people is by leaving us an iTunes review. And a special thank you to clnsmedia.com for hosting our show on their site. If you're looking for the most recent episodes, you can find them there or check out new podcasts. And a huge shout out to tonight's sponsors, Hunt a Killer and Hymns. Joe, I literally got nothing else. I'm done. I want to go relax a little bit. It's been a very boomy type of episode, so I'm just going to go chill, maybe make some popcorn cozy up and watch a movie so what you're saying is this episode was too boomy for you and now you need a little bit more moob in your life i definitely don't want moob but maybe i'll go with a mini boom oh a mini boom (laughs) nice i see you did there i see you You like that i do like that thank you um so you got nothing else right nope me neither so until next time for another hodgepodge of everything Hodgepodge of everything. Boom. Boom. Bye. Bye.